if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. You better believe it is. And a good morning to you. Seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock. And we're rolling on this Tuesday, the 30th morning, the 30th and penultimate morning of the month of March in the year of our Lord 2021. Thanks so much for being with us. To Christians and believers, uh, happy and continuing blessed Holy Week to you. Uh, we, of course, uh, We'll be in a best-of mode on Friday, on Good Friday, as we do, of course, in observance of that very, very important time on our calendar. So we've got three days of important news to discuss with you, and it starts right now. As it is a Tuesday, uh, you know what's coming at 1010, don't you? It's cursing out day. Pete is going to talk to us about the battle, the one-on-one showdown that he had with uh, Representative Ted Lieu. Uh, last week, he sent me the clip last week. I've been sitting on it until then, even though I wanted to play it. Uh, but I figured I would save it for Pete so he could respond to it in more depth. They were discussing the lack of the number of Asian of Americans uh, in the federal judiciary. And we just can't have a functioning republic. We cannot have a functioning constitutional republic unless there is an equal representation of Asian Americans in the uh, judiciary as there are other races. And uh, Ted, that was Ted Lu's contention. Peter Kirsten, now testifying before that House committee, uh, said some things that Ted Lieu didn't like. And Ted Lieu, as Democrats are wont to do, decided to uh, queue up the outrage machine. And he screamed at Peter Kirsten. That is coming up at 1010. At 935 this morning, we're going to be talking about the trans agenda again. Travis Barham is going to be with us. He is with uh, the Alliance Defending Freedom. And he's going to talk to us about the professor at Shawnee State University, which, if you didn't know, and you probably didn't, is here in Ohio, in Portsmouth. Shawnee State University professor uh, was uh, fired for refusing to use a male student's pronouns, a male student's chosen pronouns, rather, which were female. This was a guy who said he was a girl and demanded that the the, uh, professor address him as a female. The professor said, no, I'm not going to be doing that. Uh, I don't recognize that nonsense. You're going to be what you are. And if you don't like that, then I'll just call you by your name all the time. Nope, 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 nope. The the student said, you can't just call me by my name. You must call me by the pronouns I choose. And that professor fought it. 
And that professor is winning. And we're going to talk to Alliance Defending Freedom coming up at 935 about that. But before we can get to today's top story, of course, we must start with our Pledge of Allegiance, led by young Cedric Richmond Jr. today. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to a public for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Teach your children well, my friends. Teach your children well and teach them that starting every single day. All right. Now, there's something else that you could try to teach your children. And that is how to resist and to push back against indoctrination in public schools. I'm going to take that little kid, and I'm going to fast forward now to the high school level to bring you this top story. This wasn't going to be my top story today, by the way. The top story was going to be vaccine passports. Uh, New York is set to roll out its vaccine passport program, this Excelsior program, starting on uh, uh, Thursday, I believe it is. Yeah, it's supposed to be Thursday. No, I'm sorry, Friday. Supposed to be April 2nd, Friday. Anyway, uh, we'll get to the passports in a moment, but I stumbled across this this morning and I just said, okay, now we have a new lead story. This is just incredible. And when I say incredible, I mean disgusting, I mean repugnant. What you're about to hear is an exchange, about a minute and a half long, between a Virginia high school teacher and a student. Uh, in Zoom, of course, because they're not allowed to be in class. We don't we won't get into all of that right now, but it's a Zoom lesson. And a Virginia high school teacher is showing the class on the screen, on the Zoom screen, a picture of two girls. And they're standing there back to back. I have to kind of set the scene for you so you know that you know so you understand what you're about to listen to. So two girls are standing back to back. One is kind of a sandy, blonde-haired, Caucasian-looking girl, and the other one is a very dark-haired, kind of um, textured-haired. If I had to guess, I don't know because I don't care. I'd say a biracial girl, but with you know some some black characteristics, if you will, which is the point of the story. Listen to what happens when the Virginia high school teacher demands that the student he is addressing acknowledge the racial differences between the girls in the picture. Listen to the way the student handles it. And by the way, I would graduate this student with honors. I have no idea what kind of grades he gets, but he handles this so extraordinarily well. This is how you need to teach your children to resist and avoid indoctrination. You don't get belligerent. You don't get angry. You don't express rage. You stay calm. You stay composed. And you push back. And you expose the indoctrination for what it is. This just blows my mind. I mean, on one hand, I have this seething anger that this teacher would try to do this. And I know it's going on all over the country. And on the other hand, I've got this, this high school student that I just want to give a medal to. Listen and, 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 and react to this yourself. The story behind this picture, um, I'd rather hold on to that just tell me. Tell I me mean, what, what this seems to be a picture of. It's just two people chilling. Right, just two people. There's nothing more to this picture? Nah, not really. Just two people chilling. I don't believe that you believe that. Um, I don't believe that you look at this as just two people. Um, I don't think Truly, it is just two people, though, is it not? 
Yeah, but I think you're being, I think you're being, um, I think you're being intentionally coy about what this is a picture of. <laughs> what are you being coy about? It's two people standing back to back in a picture. Yeah, and that's all you see is two people. I, I'm, I'm confused on what you would like me to, to speak on in that I sense. I don't think you are. I don't know why you do this. Um, I'm not trying to call you out, but you could, you, you, you know, you come out off of mute to talk about what this is a picture of, and you act as if, as if, you know, there's nothing noticeable about this apart from the fact that there are two people. Well, I'm confused. Are you trying to get me to say that there are two different races in this picture? Yes, is that I what you want me to say? say? Well, at the end of the day, wouldn't that just be feeding into the problem of looking at race instead of just acknowledging them as two normal people? No, it's not because you you can't not look at you can't like, you can't look at the people and not acknowledge that there are racial differences, right? But if we're going for, let's say if we're looking for equality within all this, then why would we need to point out things such as that? Because those things, those differences are real things. You can't, you can't. Um, like I said, mind blown. This is the third time I've listened to that this morning. I listened to it twice in preparing today's show. Like I said, I kind of stumbled across it this morning on a news site. I usually do all of my show prep the night before. And I did. But this changed things for me this morning. Um, and as I've heard it for a third time now, I have come to realize that there are, uh, there is rather, a teacher in this story and there is a student in this story. And the teacher in the story is the high school kid. And the thick-headed racist in the story is the quote-unquote teacher. This young man said, it's two people chilling. No, there's, that's not all you see. You see more than that. Come on. You're, you're being coy. What more do you see? I see two people chilling. No, no, come on. Why do you always do this? You know what you see here. You know what you see. I see two normal people. What do you want me to say? Do you want me to say that I see two people of different races? Yes. Yes, that's what I want you to say. Why? Isn't the goal to see? Isn't the goal of equality to to not see race to not see differences but to see two people two normal average everyday american people and the professor said no the teacher said no you can't just see two people you can't be colorblind you have to see race here you have to judge the color of their skin not the content of their character. Now, I can't, this may make me guilty of stereotyping somewhat, but I, 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 I kind of feel like the voice I'm hearing from the teacher in this Zoom call, I can't see a picture of him, is a white guy. I think it's a white professor trying to teach a white student critical race theory and critical race training. This is precisely why we fight so hard. We did a couple of weeks ago on this program. We had um, we had John Stover uh, on the program uh, from Ohio Value Voters after that Beachwood uh, High School, uh, or excuse me, Beachwood um, School Board meeting, and they were fighting very, very hard against the critical race training and critical race theory that the teachers there are being forced to endure, and then what they are going to put their students through. This is why we oppose it. This is why we must fight it, because this is what it does. 
It is literally, intentionally dividing students based on race. It's telling a white student, you better see racial differences there. If you just see two people chilling, that's unacceptable. I want you to acknowledge the difference between blacks and whites. Now, I should go, again, go on the record here and saying the girl that is considered to be uh, the black student in this, or different race anyway, is mixed race at best. She's very, very light-complected. In fact, I bet if you took away her dark hair, she probably has the exact same skin tone, at least in this picture, as the sandy blonde-haired girl next to her. But regardless of that, he wanted the students to see race rather than just see two people. That's what critical race training does. That's what uh, social justice does. That's what racial justice training does. It literally intentionally divides. And here's a student standing firm, refusing to be led down that road, refusing to say anything more than these are just two people chilling until he he forces the, the teacher to say what he means here. I want you to see race. And what happens if he says, I see race? Then what? Is he going to be queried on what which is better? Which appearance is better? Which appearance makes him feel more comfortable or less comfortable, etc., etc.? The student wasn't having it. The student was the teacher. The teacher was the pathetic, thick-skulled racist. No, nah, not really. Just two people chilling. I don't believe that you believe that. Um, I don't believe that you look at this as just two people. Why? Why, you woke, pathetic piece of trash? You should never be around students of any age ever in your life. Why? Why are you telling this person what they think? I don't think that you think that. I don't think that you believe that. Why are you trying to get inside a student's head until he says what you want him to say? What you see when you look at that picture being the racist that you are. You see racial division when you see a black girl and a white girl in a single picture, and you are not going to rest until your students see race and racism as well. Um, I don't think truly is just two people, though, is it not? Yeah, but I think you're being, I think you're being, um, I think you're being intentionally coy about what this is a picture of. (laughs) What are you being coy about? It's two people standing back to back in a picture. Yeah, and that's all you see is two people. I'll tell you this. Um, if this was my student, my, my child rather, it was the student in this scenario, being berated and being badgered and pushed into saying something about race as opposed to just seeing two normal people, which is what we teach our children to do, is to just see everybody as people, That's that teacher would not have a job today. That teacher would not have a job today. I can guarantee you that person would be gone. And I, I'm telling you, I would pull every legal resource that I have. I would find a team of attorneys. I would take out a mortgage on my house to pay for a legal team to make sure that that punk piece of racist trash teacher is never allowed to influence students again. I, I'm, I'm confused on what you would like me to, to speak I don't, on in that I don't sense. think you are. I don't know why you do this. Um... I'm not trying to call you out, but you could you 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 know you come out off of mute to talk about what this is a picture of, and you act as if as if you know there's nothing noticeable about this. Apartment. There is nothing noticeable there. You woke piece of trash. It's two people. It's two human beings. That's it. Anything else that you see, you see because you are a racist. And I've got news for you. 
my friends, if you think that teacher in Virginia is the only one doing this, and you don't think this is going on maybe without Zoom recordings in your public schools here in the state of Ohio, you are deluding yourself. This is what your children are enduring. I can only pray, and I mean literally pray to God, that your kids learn how to handle this as well as this student did, who actually taught this teacher a lesson. 922, we'll be right back. And this is not a All right, it's 926. Don't forget, coming up uh, top of the hour, excuse me, bottom of the hour, rather, we're going to get into, um, uh, we are going to get into the uh, Shawnee State University story where a professor had been fired for uh, refusing to call a student who is a male, uh, refusing to call him a female. Uh, A court has sided on his behalf, and we're going to talk about why. The Sixth Circuit has upheld his First Amendment rights to not be compelled to say things that he does not believe. So that's a really good story, and it's an important story we'll, be have, we'll have for you at the bottom of the hour. For now, let's go to Westlake and say good morning to Vince. You're on the air, Vince. Go right ahead. Good morning, Bob. Good to talk to you again. You too. Um, referring to the uh, story you just talked about with the professor trying to bait the student, um, uh, disturbing story in itself just because of what he's trying to do, the critical race thing and everything else in that. Um, was that a video you were looking at or listening to? Or was it, 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 it's a Zoom. Audio? Yeah, they recorded the Zoom call. So it's a still picture, basically, that the teacher had put up on the screen of the of the two girls standing back to back. And really, only faintly in a very small box can you see the actual teacher that's in the thing. You don't see the student. You just see the teacher and the picture. You know, my, my, my point to your call screen was it sounded to me as if the student could have been African-American, which would have made the story even more significant, where, you know, no matter what you are, who you are as a student, that... Yeah, it's, it, it is hard to tell. And, you know, there there are certainly dialects, African-American dialects that people talk about uh, in, the, in, you know, what Caucasian-sounding dialects. He may be white or black, I don't know. And the reality of it is this is the point of the whole thing, right, is it shouldn't matter. You know, he he's, just a, he's just a student, right? He's just a student who sees not color but sees people, and the teacher is intentionally telling him, no, 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 whatever color you are, you must see color here. You must see color, and you must acknowledge those differences, or else you are, you know, you, you, you're, you're going to be deemed to be the racist, or you're going to be deemed to be a liar, I guess, is what he was calling him. And he said, great, I don't really believe you see that. A, it's great to see any student standing up against that type of stuff. And this is what, you know, I, you and I have talked about this before. You need to be at your uh, school board meetings. You need to be calling these teachers out then because this is the stuff that's going to destroy not only the whole school system, but as you said many times before, just our republic as it stands right now. No and, question. And it's, it's, people got to stand up and get involved in these things because they're not paying attention to what's going on. And here you have it right on you know, tape, Zoom, film, whatever you want to call it live and in person and this is as you said i know it for fact is going on all over the country and it's time for us to just rise up against it Bob. exactly Thanks for right. my call. thank you my man i appreciate the phone call good good stuff you're you're spot on um yeah i i uh i i get very disturbed whenever i see these kinds of things because i know that this is just one that somebody recorded and and got got online and and the the you know national media grabbed and here we are um, because there are thousands, if not millions, of these kinds of cases happening in classrooms every single day, or on Zoom classrooms, if you will, every single day. 
And this is what's going to destroy our country and destroy, as you said, our schools and our kids and this generation and the future of this republic. This forced division, forced uh, hatred between the races, forced acknowledgement and 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 uh, you know expression of that acknowledgement of of, uh, of differences between people rather than seeing people. It's almost as if the woke left, both black and white, members of the woke left have just told Martin Luther King Jr., you can kiss your dream goodbye and kiss our rear ends, screw you and your colorblindness and your goal of people not seeing color but seeing content of character, the hell with you. All we want people to see in 2021 is color, and we want to judge everybody based upon that color. It's sickening. News time now. We'll go to the trans agenda next on AM 1420, The Answer. So it was January of 2018 during a political philosophy class that a professor at Shawnee State uh, University here in Ohio, in Portsmouth, Ohio, responded to a male student's question by saying, yes, sir. That simple response, those two words, changed this professor's life and put him in the middle of a case that is extraordinarily important when it comes to defending our freedom of speech and our freedom of religion and freedom of faith here in the United States of America. He would be accused of um, essentially insulting and discriminating against a transgender student who said, I'm not a male, I'm a female, and I demand to be called by my female pronouns. This did not sit well with him, and away we go. Joining us now to discuss this case and the twist that it has taken, thanks to the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals, is uh, Travis Barham. Uh, Barham, beg your pardon, Travis Barham is Senior Counsel and Deputy Director of the Center for Academic Freedom at the Alliance Defending Freedom. Uh, Travis, thank you so much for your time this morning. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me on. Good to have you, and I was good to see the update on this story, that the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled in favor of Dr. Nicholas Merriweather. Can you tell us a little bit more detail about this case? Well, you you summarized the facts very very well just a moment ago. Dr. Merriweather opened a political philosophy class, answered a male student's question by saying, yes, sir. The student uh, insisted on being referred to as a woman, said he was transgender, insisted on being referred to as a woman. And Dr. Merriweather actually tried to work things out. He said, look, I'll call you by whatever name you want me to call you, but and I'll just avoid using pronouns for you. Um, but that wasn't good. And initially, that satisfied uh, the university officials. But when the student was still upset about everything, uh, the university insisted, uh, backed out of that deal, and insisted that he either refer to the student uh, as a woman or, which would violate his conscience, Mm-hmm. Or that he purge his entire vocabulary of personal of pronouns, which is impossible to do when you're trying to lead a, a discussion of complex philosophical concepts in front of a, a class of live students. Yeah, so, I think I think it would be impossible to purge your vocabulary of, of all pronouns if you're instructing a kindergarten class. It doesn't matter. I mean, it's just part of our language. It's it's and it's a very important part of our language. And and children need to learn uh, those pronouns. So um, so what what was the student's original response? Uh, because as I, as I was looking over some of the notes for the story, 
Uh, the student actually used a profane term to refer to the professor when the professor said, no, I'm not going to call you she or her uh, because you're a male. Um, the, the student said something pretty graphic, did he not? Yeah, the student did, and the student got belligerent, used an expletive to refer to Dr. Merriweather, and then threatened to get Dr. Merriweather fired um, as a result of the entire exchange, and that's when he complained to the university. And the student can be upset if the student wants to, but the, the, mater- the, the most important issue is what the university did. And the university, should, as the government entity, should have been the institution that stood up for the First Amendment and stood up for Dr. Merriweather's right to speak his mind as he so chose. And that's not what happened. The university instead bound to this student and started uh, pursuing Dr. Merriweather, investigated him for months, eventually put a letter of reprimand in his file, and threatened him with further disciplinary action if he continued to speak as he was. And that's when Dr. Merriweather had to take legal action to make sure that someone, in this case the court system, stood up for his First Amendment rights. And initially the district court did not. The district court uh, affirmed everything that the university had done, and that's what prompted us to appeal to the United States Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit. And just on Friday, the Sixth Circuit issued a magnificent opinion, fully vindicating Dr. Merriweather's First Amendment rights, making it clear the universities are supposed to be a marketplace of ideas, not an assembly line for one type of thought, and making it clear that the university has no business forcing people to say things that they don't believe. That's antithetical to academic freedom, and it's also the opposite of what the First Amendment guarantees. We are talking with Travis Barham, Senior Counsel, Deputy Director for the Center for Academic Freedom at Alliance Defending Freedom. Um, so originally he was not fired, but they did pursue him and eventually reprimanded him in his file. Did he, uh, did he have tenure? He's still at the university. He's still teaching, but he has this dark cloud of this threat hanging over his head every time he opens his mouth in class. I, I so was wondering if he had that's tenure. Not the way- yeah, the only reason I was asking if he had tenure is I'm wondering if they would have fired him immediately if he had not had if he had not been tenured. It's un, that was unclear, uh, and I don't okay. recall off the top of my head. I believe he has tenure, but I'm not 100% positive about that. But whether he has tenure or whether he doesn't, he has First Amendment free speech rights, and that's what and, and those apply across the board to t- fac- tenured faculty members and non-tenured ones. And the university, regardless of the status of the professor, has no business forcing people to say things they don't believe. A thousand percent agree with you on that, and that's the whole point of all of this. Um, Do you think, Travis, that the student's refusal to accept the compromise, which is, you know what, I won't call you he or or him, or she or he, I will eliminate that altogether. I'll just call you Joe, or whatever your name is, or even if it's a female name, I, was he okay? I don't know the specifics of the male turned or or identifying as female. If there was a female name, was he okay with calling this student by the female first name without the pronouns? Dr. Merriweather was fine with referring to this student by any name that the student by wanted any name to at all. So, do you think, Travis, that the the reason the student would not find that acceptable is because this wasn't just about his? Uh, rights or his beliefs. It was about p- 
pushing an issue, about advancing a narrative, about saying no, because we as a movement kind of thing, this isn't going to satisfy me because we as a movement demand to be called what we want to be called so that you must accept us uh, for what we say that we are. Do you think this was more than, in other words, is there a, was there, uh, were there people behind the scenes that were pushing this for him? I don't know what's going on with the student. Uh, and my my concern is not primarily with the student. The concern here is what the government has done, the public university, Shawnee State University. And the Shawnee State University did not care how well Professor Merriweather treated this student or any other student. It was on a crusade to compel ideological conformity. And that's why it was insisting that Dr. Merriweather refer to male students as female and vice versa. It had an agenda. It was trying to force stu- professors to espouse that agenda. Yeah, that's where and I was going with this. This is. is this is a part of the LGBTQ XYZ narrative and agenda uh, that they are using, as you said, to compel speech. And and I don't think this student was acting just on his own accord. I think there's clearly he was part of a movement being pushed by other organizations to take this as far as he could. So now here we are, and I want to read the Possib- sixth circuit. possibly, but possibly, but I want to I want to focus again on the the real issue here is not. What the, stu- the student can have his own preferences and his own desires. Mm-hmm. The issue here is what the university did. The university is the government entity that's supposed to respect constitutional rights. And, the, the, and Shawnee State University did not care that Professor Merriweather has worked very hard to make his students feel welcomed and respected. Mm-hmm. He, they didn't, the university didn't care that he offered several ways to accommodate the student. All that the university insisted upon was that he contradict his core beliefs or face punishment and well, that's where it crossed the the line legally. is is this is this a case then by by what you're describing um it's it's cancel culture for the individual or for the university in other words we'll sell out the individual and let him be canceled uh by the lgbtq community pushing this or if we don't if we stand by our 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 professor here then they'll come for all of us and the entire university will be canceled i feel like it's just kind of cya we'd rather look out for the university than and sacrifice the individual well what's interesting is the university in this case advanced an argument, a legal argument, that would have canceled the free speech rights of all professors. And that, so that argument was rightly and, and resoundingly rejected by the Sixth Circuit, which adopted additional protections for faculty free speech rights. But the irony of a university advances legal arguments that would cancel the free speech rights of everybody uh, on, on its faculty uh, is something that's, that's just... It's, it's, well, let's, it's, let's take that a it's step outra- further. It's, it's absurd. <laughs> yeah, it is absurd. Let's take that a step further. We're talking with Travis Barham, Senior Counsel and Deputy Director of the Center for Academic Freedom at Alliance Defending Freedom. I'm going to read the um, some of the uh, explanation of the Sixth Circuit uh, Court of Appeals in their decision, because if I read this correctly, uh, you know, the threat here is to not only cancel the free speech of everybody in the faculty, but it could cancel the free speech of students as well. Here's what the Sixth Circuit said. The professors lacked free speech protections when teaching. A university, if, let me start that again, sorry. If professors lacked free speech protections when teaching, a university would wield alarming power to compel ideological conformity. A university president could require a pacifist to declare that war is just, a civil rights icon to condemn the freedom riders, a believer to deny the existence of God, or a Soviet, uh, I don't even know that word, uh, emigre, emigre, excuse me, 
uh, to address his students as comrades. That cannot be. If that is, um, Travis, you know, true, and I think that it is, couldn't that extend to students as well? Can professors not demand that a pacifist student declare that war is just? If the professors can be compelled to speak a way that they do not agree with, then why wouldn't the students also be in the same boat? Well, there are some differences in the sense that a professor is on the payroll of the university and a student is not. But you are right that if that if that alternate reality were allowed to continue, if the district court's ruling had been allowed to stand, mm-hmm. it would have created a culture on campus where those, that kind of conformity, that kind of compelled speech, you must think this way, you must speak this way kind of attitude would pervade the entire campus, and it couldn't help but have some sort of impact upon students one way or another. And that's what makes the Sixth Circuit decision here such a uh, such an amazing, such an important ruling. It's it, it stood right there in the against that that drift and said no. The First Amendment guarantees our right to speak our minds. It prevents the government from compelling us to say things that we don't actually believe, and it makes it clear that you will not, as a professor, you will not jeopardize your position in your career simply by expressing a set of ideas that the administration doesn't like. Um. Was freedom of religion a part of this case as well? We, we've talked about the freedom to speak his conscience, conscience, but one could also argue that, you know, if somebody is a Christian or whatever faith they are and they believe that God created man in his image and created man and woman and, uh, to, to declare that somebody is not what God created them to be would be a violation of one's faith. I could see freedom of religion being a part of this as well. Was that brought up in this case? Yes, both were brought up. Both free speech and religious freedom were brought up for the exact reason you mentioned, that the two are very closely intertwined. And Dr. Merriweather, when he spoke about what, how, what, how, the human, how human beings are created and the way we're made, he was expressing both his philosophical beliefs on the subject, but also his religious beliefs as a Christian on the subject. And so both of those are intertwined. Both of those cases, those claims now go forward as a result of the Sixth Circus decision on Friday. Okay, I'm sorry, say that last part again. I was just about to ask you where it goes from here. Is the university going to appeal the appellate court and go on? We're not certain what the university is going to do. Um, one would hope that the university would recognize that the Sixth Circuit has, has gotten this right mm-hmm. and that uh, protecting the free speech rights of professors on campus is something that the university should actually celebrate, um, that, that hopefully this would bring the litigation to a close. But that, that's a decision for the university to make. Our goal and, and our firm resolution is that we're going to defend Dr. Merriweather's free speech rights, whatever it costs and whatever it takes. This is just a curiosity. Last question here for you. Um, is this going on in any other professor's classes? Uh, I would Usually when you have a rabble-rousing student like this, they'll do it in multiple classes, especially if they're being pushed by you know an organization that is trying to push an agenda. Uh, I'm wondering if this student demanded to be called by female pronouns in other classes, and were other professors willing to do so? Is Dr. Merriweather just out here on an island where everybody else said, sure, no problem? Unclear, um, you know, but... Is, it would not be surprising for that to be the case. I mean, the leftward, the leftward tilt in academia mm-hmm. is is very is very well documented and very pronounced. Of course. And you add to that the intimidation um, that comes with seeing one of your colleagues being punished 
simply for speaking the English language as, as it has been spoken for millennia. Um, that's an intimidating thing. So um, it is not. It, it would not be surprising to have a few uh, or even just one professor being willing to take the stand for free speech here. But this, the thing about this legal victory on, at the Sixth Circuit on Friday mm-hmm. is that it benefits all professors. Everybody now benefits Shawnee State, and indeed every, every professor in the Sixth Circuit now benefits from enhanced and stronger free speech protections. And that is, uh, and that should allow all of them to feel more free to express their views. That is great news, but there's, there is only one who's going to be under all of this scrutiny, right? I mean, I would imagine his life is not exactly, you know, pleasant right now on that campus as he continues to, you know, defend his rights and continues to teach. And he's probably students recording his every word in class, looking for something to trip him up and make him pay. Perhaps, but what the Sixth Circuit has ruled is that it doesn't matter. <laughs> He has those free speech rights. He has those protections. And the university is powerless to take action against him because the First Amendment steps in and says, right. you have a right to say that. I uh, I would imagine uh, uh, he's kind of stuck where he is, right? I mean, if he's if if he is being treated, you know, poorly, you know, yes, he has the right to do what he what he does, which is just speak in normal English terms. Uh, but if they if they tr- try to intimidate him or try to make him feel uncomfortable, you might say, well, you know, maybe you would think about wanting to go to work for another university. I, I would imagine he's probably unhirable. What university wants to take on the LGBTQ mob? And say, yeah, we just hired the guy who, uh, you know, who was, uh, you know, refusing to acknowledge pronouns at Shawnee State. Now, they're not going to want to bring him on. I would imagine he's got no, he's got nowhere to go other than where he is. Well, Dr. Merriweather right now feels very vindicated in that the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals has just ruled that he had the right to say what he was, that what he wanted to say, and and no, I know that from a legal standpoint. That, I know that, he's that, vindicated. I get that. I, you know, I'm just talking about the, the the way he's probably treated on campus. Probably isn't a comfortable situation for him. Well, we're hoping we're hopeful that what this does is it sends a warning shot across the bow for all other universities, especially those in the Sixth Circuit, that says you can't treat professors this way, and if you do, you will be held accountable. And that's exactly the kind of message that government officials need to hear. Well, Doctor Merriweather was very fortunate to have uh, your services and those of the the services of the attorneys at Alliance Defending Freedom. You guys do just extraordinarily important work, and we know that you do not charge these uh, uh, people who are facing these ridiculous intimidation tactics and so forth uh, for your services, which means we have to help you. So, um, can you tell us where people can go to donate to Alliance Defending Freedom so that you guys continue to stand up for people like Doctor Merriweather? Most definitely. If they go to ADFlegal.org, that's ADFlegal.org, they'll find out all about Dr. Merriweather's case, all about the many other cases that we're handling on behalf of uh, folks across the country, and they'll be able to stand with us and support our work. ADF is an important legal ministry, and they truly are doing God's work in defending the rights of, uh, of everyone uh, who is unjustly accused. Uh, Travis Barham, Senior Counsel at ADF and the Director of the Center for Academic Freedom there. Thank you so much, Travis, for all the information and for the great work you do. Thank you kindly. Thank you. God bless. All right, that's Travis Barham. Uh, really appreciated that conversation. Uh, we'll take a quick time out and come right back. Okay, 9.57 on a Tuesday. Uh, great conversation and great information from uh, Travis Barron there from Alliance Defending Freedom. This is, um, this is what they do. I, I, I'll take this part of the trans agenda to tie it to 
North, uh, South Dakota, rather, um, you probably have been following, and we've talked about it, um, Governor Noem, who many conservatives, myself included, just absolutely love for her staunch support of the Constitution and the rights of her citizens in South Dakota. She resisted all of the shutdowns and mask mandates and things that went on in many other states. So love Christy Noem for that. Um, but a lot of us were disappointed that she recently vetoed a bill put forth by the South Dakota legislature that would ban uh, K-12 through and college-level athletes from uh, intersecting, meaning no biological males would be able to go over and dominate girls' sports, girls only against girls. She semi-vetoed that bill, even though she said she supported it. What she did was she vetoed it with, vetoed it with a style and uh, style and form revision, where she basically said, Yes to everything in it on K through 12, but at the college level, we aren't going to be able to win the legal fight there. So I'm going to, re, you know, redact that part of the, the bill and ask you to send it back to me to sign. Well, the state legislature said, no way. We want this to be K through college. In fact, I think the vote was like 68 to two in the uh, legislature there. So they sent it back to Christy Noem that way. And Christy Noem then just issued a full veto and instead issued two executive orders, two executive orders that specifically exclude or rather preclude biological males from participating in female sports K-12, through and then a second order that does the same thing for the collegiate level. She just didn't want to sign, or sign that bill because she said the legal protections they would have on the collegiate level against the NCAA were not strong enough, and they would lose uh, a, fight, a court fight over that. So rather than accepting the bill, she issued two executive orders, which essentially were the right things. And I bring that up, uh, you know, as we get into the uh, head into the ten o'clock hour, because we're going to talk to Peter Kirst now a little bit about this. What that student at Shawnee State did is what the male athletes say whenever people say, "Well, here's the solution: if you don't want to race as a boy because you think you're a girl, and we don't let you race against the girls because that's unfair, we'll have a separate competition. We'll have a trans division." And this is for anybody, boys and girls, no matter who you are or what you feel like, you can race together. They dismiss that idea out of hand, saying, no, because I'm not an other. The trans movement individuals do not want to be considered a third option. They want you to literally accept and celebrate them as being what they're not. A male who thinks he's a female must be called a female and be allowed to race against females because that's really what I am. This is how they argue it. Same thing in that Shawnee State story. That student says, no, you can't just call me by my name, therefore uh, not being uh, responsible for calling me by my female pronouns. You must say my female pronouns and acknowledge me as a woman. Acknowledge me as a female. This is their goal. There is no compromise. There is no... There is no possible way of of meeting in the middle on this they want you to accept and celebrate their psychological delusions and fortunately there are groups like alliance defending freedom pushing back against that curse now after the news am 1420 the end